Continuing our series in Philippians chapter 4 this morning. Philippians chapter 4, if you want to join me in turning there. The title of the message, Giving and Receiving. So uh, we're going to um, jump right into things here in just a moment. So um, words will be up on the screen. But uh, Philippians 4, beginning in verse 10, says the following. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Now that at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. So verse 10 there. Now we're going to skip ahead to verse 14. Verse 14. Notwithstanding, you have, done, have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus." Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the example set before us today of one who was sent out by you, an apostle, and yet who was supported and in partnership with the local church. Father, we we pray that today as we consider uh, our role and responsibility in supporting the work of missions around the world, uh, that that you would, uh, Lord, just simply burden our hearts of the needs around us. We pray, Lord, also that, that we would... Uh, seek a biblical perspective on what uh, giving and supporting missions looks like according to the Word of God. Father, we give you praise for what you're going to do today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so as we look at this passage this morning, uh, there's certain things that we see in regard to giving. Now, we read verse 10 there. The reason we read verse 10 is because that's kind of the section that starts off uh, this information about the giving that came from Philippi to Paul, and he sort of threw an aside in there, right? And that's what we looked at last time. And, um, of course, um, of course, uh, verse 13 there being the, the familiar verse. Um, but we're jumping back into the gift component now. And so uh, Paul, of course, is thankful for the gift that he received, And um, he was reminding them uh, that it's not so much the gift, but their concern. And that's what we looked at together. Um, And then um, last week, we again looked at, you know, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, and and what the meaning was of the all things there. And, uh, but now we're back to this topic of giving, giving and receiving. And so verse 14, uh, as we just read uh, through 16, is going to really show that this is a partnership. There's a partnership that takes place between Paul and this church at Philippi. Um, the language here actually is, is one of, of friendship. And um, he, he notes that uh, in regard to their giving, right, you have well done, you've done well. She did communicate with my affliction. We'll, uh, we'll look at uh, exactly what that means in just a moment. But verse 15 there goes on. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. So what does that verse 14 mean when it talks about 
um, that they've done well and they did communicate with my affliction. Let's just put that in, in uh, just uh, simpler words here. It, it was kind of you to share in my trouble. Right? I mean, that's, that's what he's saying there. He's, he's, he's writing to the church there in Philippi, and he's saying, hey, uh, you know what's going on in my life. You know of my imprisonment. You know what's happening. And you could have just said, well, I got my own problems, right? Uh, I don't have time to deal with his, too. <laughs> you know, I, I got my own problems. Or, or you, you, you could have said, hey, things aren't so great here in Philippi either, you know? Uh, don't you have some other churches that support you? <laughs> you know, didn't you go to these other churches as well? We can't be the only one. But, but he, he said, no, you didn't do that, right? It was kind of you to share in my trouble. They knew what was going on, and they said, okay, Paul, we're going to take some of your trouble on ourselves and give financially to support you, right? We're, we're, we're going to take your problem, your need, and make some of it our own. We're going to share in it, and we're going to give financially to support you. Not, not just that, but, but um, even go so far as to send Epaphroditus, as, as we saw there as well, from the church to deliver that gift uh, from them. So uh, as we, we look back to verse 10, this is what kind of started this section on giving. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly now that at length you have received you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. And so Paul before had thanked them for their concern and, and, and said, that concern was great, and I'm grateful for the concern. I'm glad that you kept it up, and, and now you have given, given a gift as well. And once again, you, you did well in doing that, right? Thank you for sharing in my troubles. And so this, this um, idea of, of thanksgiving is, is kind of brought back here. So, as we, as we think about that, um, that language there, um, what, what is, is actually going on? Remember, we talked about this word before, right? You're, you, you have revived your concern for me, or it, it has blossomed again. It's, it's flower language here, right? It was dormant, winter came, but spring has come up, and now it has blossomed again, and uh, you, have, you have sent... Uh, your gift to care for, for, for my material needs while I was in prison, um, and, and thus continuing your work, your partnership in the gospel. This, this idea of, of partnership, we see it here in verse 15, right? Um, now you know, Philippians, know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I depart, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. And it's a little bit hard to see there, but the idea there um, is, truly is partnership, right? This is a, a re reciprocal, reciprocal giving and receiving relationship that this church has with Paul. And, and so as they, um, as they talk about what happened in Paul's ministry there in Philippi, remember he, he went and preached and declared the gospel and there in Philippi, they supported him financially during that time. They, they helped him during that time. And, and that was something that was unique um, to, to Philippi. Um, the, there wasn't, and, and that language there, no, no church communicated, no church, no other church was partnering with him as concerning giving and receiving. 
not the way the Philippians were. And so, so there was something different going on there from the other churches, and we'll, we'll consider that a little bit more in, in a moment. But one of the things that, that they understood in Philippi was the same lesson that was taught all the way back um, up here in, in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 9. Um, and, and 1 Corinthians 9, 11 says, If we have sown unto you spiritual things, it's a great, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? What's the language there? Paul, Paul in this language, is, is talking to the church at Corinth. Um, unlike the church at Philippi, the church at Corinth was not uh, this real giving church, right? It was kind of the opposite. Um, they held a little bit more tightly to their money. And, and Paul is saying to them, hey, if, if, if we have sown spiritual things, right? If we have given you spiritual truth and instructed you in that, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? Is it really a big deal if you were to support <laughs> us a little bit? I mean, that's, that's the language there. And um, don't, uh, you know, we, we can sometimes, I think, miss that in the midst of, of the instruction. One of the things that I, I think perhaps impressed me um, to, to a degree, um, or at least caught my attention, um, was Paul's willingness to, for those churches that were not doing what they were supposed to do, right, in terms of supporting um, the ministry and the mission work and those sorts of things, he, he was not afraid to say so, right? And, uh, um, you know, I mean, that's, that's a pretty strong... Say, if, if we've done these spiritual things, if we've done this work, if we've done the spiritual work with you, is it really a big deal if we were to get some financial support in return? Is it really a big deal uh, for you to give up some of these carnal things when you received all those spiritual blessings? And, and so that's, the, that's the, um, the statement there. And, and that's the distinction, right, between, between the church in Corinth one of the distinctions between the church in Corinth and the one in Philippi. Philippi, they were grateful. They were generous um, with their funds and giving it out. So this, um, we get this little bit of a history here, um, going back to verse 15, and it's, it's kind of neat to consider this, right? Philippians know that at the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia. So, so the, the history there, he is reminding them of, of that, that partnership, um, but, but it, it takes them back. When, when he first departed um, Philippi, right, the, the very beginning, um, and, and eventually his departure from the whole area, Macedonia, the whole northern section of Greece up there, and um, other cities we know would be in there, Thessalonica would be in there, Berea would be in there, but other cities as well would fall into that area. And, and, and he notes that when he did that, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. So except for you. And so on that trip in Thessalonica, there weren't any other support, supporting churches. There's only one, Philippi. That, that's the only one. And just to remind them, uh, perhaps of, of one... 
for even in Thessalonica, he sent once and again in my necessity. When I was in Thessalonica, over there, you were still supporting me and helping me. And, and so he reminds them of that. Um, when we think about this, um, this, this is the type of statement um, that I think even here we sometimes receive. Uh, we, have, we have missionaries here at, at Grace who we have supported for a lot of years, some of them, right? Some of them, I don't know how long, 20, 30, I mean, a lot of years, right? A lot of years, certain ones. Um, I mean, uh, one, one in particular, um, um, Leanne Waite, we supported her parents and on the mission field, and Leanne was running around here as a little girl, and now Leanne has kids um, finishing up college and working their way through college, and now we have the privilege of supporting her as well. And, and what is that? that? That that would be, so like when the weights come here, often they will recount that type of history. What are they doing when they do that? Well, they're, they're doing kind of like what Paul did right here, right? They, they are saying uh, that, look, this, this relationship that we have goes for a long period of time, for a long number of years, and there's value in that. Right? There, there is value in the fact um, that you have been faithful. And, and that's what they're recounting to us. And, and so when, when you hear those types of statements, you know, uh, sometimes as a seat, you may, you may feel like, oh, they're just kind of buttering us up or whatever. <laughs> you know, that, it's biblical, right? That they are following a biblical example and a biblical model here because Paul, in expressing his thankfulness to those in... in um, in, in Philippi would express to them a, a recognition of the history and the faithfulness over this extended period of time. And, and he understood it as truly a partnership, right? truly being a partnership. So this partnership in this gospel, the, the partnership that they, they are going through together uh, is one in which Paul recognizes the unique role that this Philippian church had in, in the ministry. Because the church at Philippi, they not only supported Paul when he was there with them, helping them, but they continued to support him when he went other places. And that was unique. Remember, they, they didn't do it at Thessalonica. They, they do it, didn't do it other places. And... Uh, once again, perhaps one of these statements or recognitions that, that um, the Corinthian church needed um, was a reminder of their lack of support when it should have been there. And so let's look at this together here in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 8. Strong words here. I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to do you service. Verse 9, and when I was present with you, and wanted, I was chargeable to no man. For that, that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied. And in all things I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and so will I keep myself. Strong language there, right? What's he saying? 
I'm here laboring with you. And you you know how I was able to do that? Not because you were supporting me. I stole it from other churches, right? I, I, I took it from their gifts. I took it from their giving, and they supported the ministry that's going on here. Well, you held on to your money. Right? I, mean, that's, I mean, that is the language of, of what he is saying there. And, and, and so that, that reminder to them of, of hey, there, there's a certain responsibility when we receive spiritual blessing um, to, to uh, make sure that we help or assist in that. Um, so with, with that, so for example, um, you know, if, if we have a, a guest speaker come, something like that, uh, we will often give them an honorarium. We will give them something like that to, to at least help with expenses um, and, and to help cover, cover their cost coming or leaving or, you know. Um, when, when our missionaries come and they're traveling around the country and they're visiting their supporting churches to give information, we will often take up a love offering to provide um, some help or support uh, with them in their travels along the way. Why? Because we, we don't want to rob other churches, right? We don't want to rob other churches. Um, there, there are folks who I would love to have come here, and I, I would love to, to have them come, and they would come, right? If I asked them, they would come. But they're a group, and they're, you know, they've got eight people and three families and all this. And we couldn't support all of them at one time. So I'm not going to invite them to come <laughs> to support them and steal from the last church that they were at. Right? I don't want to rob another church. Um, we're we're going to work on you know, supporting those who are before us from, from ourselves. And with that, I want to take a moment just to look at some models of missionary support. And I, I just want you to consider this um, as we go through this together. Now, uh, I am not suggesting that all of these models are biblical. I, the, the list I'm giving you now is the list of um, what is commonly done today in terms of missions, okay? Commonly done today in terms of missions. First is the fundraising model, okay? This is, uh, some people call it the Boy Scout, Scout model, uh, church church plant needs to get started, they need a lot of money, so they sell stuff, right? They sell brownies, they sell Girl Scout cookies, they sell, what, you know, whatever. They sell a lot of stuff to try to make money, and um, they try to give something to get something. The people they get it from aren't necessarily uh, believers, but anybody who would give a donation. And um, the idea is it also gets the word out, there's participation in the community. Um, but the, the, the challenge is um, often the amount of money coming in is small, especially in comparison to the cost of the gift that you're giving out. And so um, usually it's a whole lot of work and a whole lot of time and effort for not a significant amount of money. I mean, unless you have free labor like a bunch of boys in the Boy Scouts. But, um, but that's the, the type of thing. And, and so one of the things that happens is with that, people can start to expect you to give. This type of thing happens sometimes on the mission field um, where, um, where folks start looking at missionaries as, okay, if, if I'm going to listen to you, then you have to give me something. 
um, that type of thing. And, and of course, uh, obviously, um, this is probably one of those areas where I, I would say there's probably less biblical support for this than many of the other things that we see. Another model, large donor model, you look for big old investments, send us $250,000 and we'll change the world, you know, that kind of thing, and you uh, send it out. Um, it, and so um, some people call it the shark tank model, right? You make your pitch and you try to get, get big money. Um, probably not so much of a um, biblical model there um, either in terms of, of how it appears. But uh, um, third, bivocational model, and maybe we call this tent making as well. Um, no fundraising, right? No fundraising here. We need money, and so either the pastor, whoever is working, or um, perhaps the, the, um, the church plant itself is starting a, a business, so to speak, in the community, um, making tents or <laughs> something of, of that nature. Um, um, we know mission boards who use this model, uh, one in Poland, they started uh, daycares, um, the idea that um, people could go into the country on work permits, be missionaries, they would make funds, uh, they wouldn't have to raise as much support because there'd be payment coming in from the daycare, it'd give you immediately access to families. Um, some challenges with that and disadvantages to that um, are um, you do have to make sure that you are still local church based and that uh, that location is there. Um, but we certainly did see Paul doing some tent making, right? Um, so there is some biblical aspects to, to, to this. And um, certainly we see many pastors doing bivocational work today. All right, next one, missionary support model. Um, some call this the campus crusade model. But the idea is that um, each missionary writes out to friends, families, others, and tries to get each of them to give commitments in monthly dollars. Um, so um, it's kind of like a, a small donor model. Um, it can take a long time to raise support for this. We are kind of um, a, a variation of this, but we'll, we'll look at that more in, in a bit. But, but um, this, is often, this often happens on um, mission trips or short, often short-term mission trips or, or things like that. There are groups that are not local church-based and um, they will ask all their friends and family and coworkers or whatever to uh, give them money, to give them support, uh, to go out, to go to wherever, um, to, to serve for a certain period of time. Um, um, it frustrates me um, when the destination is not necessarily based on need, but more based on uh, how great the destination is, <laughs> what a vacation destination. Those ones really frustrate me. But, um, but I, I, I will say that um, in addition to that, um, it frustrates me when these are not local church-based in terms of their endeavor. Um, four, denominational model. I think probably the Southern Baptist Convention may be the um, biggest um, one that we may be familiar with or have some familiarity with. Um, Southern Baptist Convention uses the North American Mission Board. Uh, churches give to that denominational mission board, and from that board, missionaries are sent out. Um, the, um, the advantage is missionaries can get out on the field more quickly, right? They go through training and go. They don't have to go to a bunch of different places and raise a whole bunch of support. Uh, the disadvantage 
can be that you don't go to a lot of places and you don't have as much contact in different places of support or you know connections um, or, or even prayer support perhaps uh, as well. So there are advantages and disadvantages uh, to this model. Five, the local church model. This is what I would say is, is kind of what, um, what we would do. And um, this would be the idea of missionaries who are being sent out from a local church, a local congregation, um, and then they, they go out. And so a significant portion of their support should come from that local congregation. But then they would be seeking support from other like-minded churches as well. Um, so um, if, if this ideal had worked out for Paul, um, Thessalonica would have been supporting him and Corinth would have been supporting him along with Philippi um, it, to ensure that his needs were met, so to speak. Um, and so that, that would be the idea. Downside to this is that, um, you know, obviously, um, there, depending on how much support you get from each local church, there can be a lot of traveling and, um, you know, additional upkeep to give information and reports on how funds are being used. All right, so, so with that, I, I, I want to, we've seen some of the models. These are the things that are happening today. And there probably are other variations of this, right? There are other shades of this, but uh, that gives you a big overview. Um, but I want to take you to a few places in Scripture just to see how missions was supported or individuals were supported in Scripture. Um, Luke 8, 1 through 3, came to pass afterward. He went through every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him. Obviously, we're talking about Jesus here. Verse 2. Certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, uh, out of whom were seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa Herod's ser- steward, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto them of, the, of their substance. What's this? The individual people who are giving to Jesus to support him in the midst of ministry. That's what's going on here. Okay, so in this case, um, we have um, various ladies who are doing that and uh, supporting Jesus along the way. Um, Paul made a request in Romans 16 uh, of the Roman church. Um, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at uh, Chinchuria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Um, so, so two things there. Um, First, this is somebody who's been a giver, right? This is somebody who's been a supporter, Phoebe. Now she's going out as a missionary, and she needs support. And Paul is writing to the church in Rome saying, I commend her to you. Um, I still get those types of letters. Often a missionary will come with letters of support uh, from a particular pastor. Um, And, you know, somebody who has seen them working and doing ministry and they're burdened for the field. It may be their local pastor or somebody else that they've worked with. And so they'll come with the letter from that pastor. And, and it'll say, I commend to you, missionary so-and-so. And they're, you know, and all the, these details. Kind of like this, right? Kind of like what, what we're just reading here. And, and so that type of thing takes place. And in this case, here's Paul writing, encouraging a church to give, right? To support a, a local missionary um, on her endeavor. Um, Acts 18, 1 through 5. After this, Paul left Athens, went to Corinth. Um, and 
and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them. <clears throat> and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was preoccupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that, that uh, the Christ was Jesus. So tent making, obviously going on here. We have Paul doing that uh, with the tradesmen. Uh, but it's interesting here. It seems like, um, um, so, so Aquila there is the other tent maker. Uh, but it seems that Silas and Timothy arrive and then Paul, at the end of that verse, um, in, in verse 5, um, Timothy arrived, and at the end there, Paul was occupied with the word. So at some point, he stops the tent making, it seems, and actually is able to lay that aside so that he can minister the word um, full time. Okay, another, another example. John encouraged his friend to support missionaries here in Third John, 5 through 8, Beloved, thou dost faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, who if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well, because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such, that we might be uh, fellow helpers to the truth. What's he saying there? Hey, support this group. <laughs> that's, that's what he's saying there. Let's just put that in play, plain language. And then um, we won't go into it in details, but, I mean, you think back to the whole Levitical system. Um, the Levites who were ministering within the temple uh, were supported by the people to be freed up for the work of the ministry that God had called them to. Um, all of this points to the fact that missions work um, biblically is supported uh, through believers, right, within the local church, and through individuals working, earning money for the sake of ministry itself. And so we, we do see those, those models taking place um, in the New Testament. And so as we, uh, as we, we consider that, um, that ought to encourage us, I think, in terms of um, just the, the responsibility that we have, the partnership that we have with our missionaries. Um, I'm so thankful for our, our church's faithful support over decades um, to those on the field and um, certainly want to um, continue. Um, and, I, and I think probably we are uh, stronger financially in supporting them than perhaps we are in, um, in keeping up with them and encouraging them and all of those other things. You know, uh, in between the, the, the letters or the individuals that were sent were checks. Uh, there were letters that were sent as well, encouraging one another uh, between Paul and these churches as people went back and forth. And so um, we certainly need to be uh, including that as well. All right, so the second area that we see in this, in this area of uh, receiving and giving is that it brings increasing fruit. And um, verse 17 puts it this way, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Paul here is noting that his gratitude is not so much because of the financial uh, benefit, which, which is there, and although he does express thanks for that, but rather for the fruit that is abounding to their account. 
Um, there are kind of, and, and we don't um, maybe uh, see it as clearly um, in, in our language, but a bound to your account, um, that's kind of like interest added to your account. I mean, that's sort of the financial language there, right? It's, it's your, your account is growing. That's the, um, that's the idea. And so it's sort of a financial metaphor here that Paul is using uh, to suggest that, that this, this fruit is increasing to their account. And, um, and we, we've seen this uh, recognition of, of uh, that coming judgment in, in the day of the Lord and, and the reward that is yet to come. We've seen it here in Philippians, like in 2.16, holding forth the word of life, and I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. For one, therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. But looking forward to that reward, that ultimate reward that will come in the end. And, um, and, and as, as you think about it, the, the, the sense is um, that, that they are demonstrating and gaining fruit that will be counted toward them, that will be recognized um, by God. And so um, pretty, pretty amazing um, when you think about his love for them, Right, this Paul's Paul's love for them is, you know, I, I'm thankful they're concerned about me. I'm thankful that that they are giving and they have this heart. I'm thankful that they are demonstrating fruit, and that God will reward them for it. And so, even in receiving the gift, he's thankful, but his thankfulness is about their spiritual growth and development, um, even beyond, you know, his his. Um, um, carnal blessing, so to speak, right? His, his uh, fleshly blessing. At the same time, there were, there were people who were going around and um, seeking money. They were, they were doing things to try to gain an audience and earn wealth for themselves. It's not unlike today. Um, 1 Thessalonians 2.4 speaks of it, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. Um, Chrysostom, one of the um, early preachers, uh, spoke of those who used flattery as a cloak for greed. Right? We still have that going on today. That hasn't stopped. And, and so with that, in receiving and giving, this is an area where we have to be aware of um, both those who will come in with flowery language to enrich themselves. We have to be aware of that. Um, but also with that, we need to ensure that, that our hearts in the midst of partnership are, are truly about demonstrating love for the other person, whether that be the missionary or in cases where perhaps we're receiving support, um, that, that our love is truly for the other person and the growth that they're demonstrating. The next description here of this, um, this gift, verse 18, is that it's a priestly offering to God. Verse 18 puts it this way in Philippians 4, uh, but I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. All right, this language here just, just is um, really um, a straightforward metaphor about, about the way in which um, their gift is, is 
like an offering to God was in, that, in, in, in the Old Testament time, something that was pleasing to him, uh, something where they have demonstrated from their hearts a true heart and um, offering their, their thanks to God. And uh, Paul recognizes it as such. Uh, this, this, is, this is truly a, a, um, a heart gift, so to speak, truly an offering um, to him, but as unto the Lord. And so um, he recognizes the, the nature of that gift. And then the, the last reminder that he offers up to them is that God is aware of what's going on, such that when this takes place, um, he is going to look at the needs of these individual believers and look after them. So verse 19 puts it this way, sorry about that size, but it says, we may be assured of the filling of all our own need. And so uh, verse 19, another one of those verses that uh, we are familiar with, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, as we, as we think about this, what's going on here, they are giving to Paul out of, um, out of their money, right? They are, they are giving to him, and what, what Paul is saying is, you are, you are being generous with your gift, but don't worry. God will still take care of you, right? He, he will take care of you. Now, this is another one of those verses that gets twisted, right? Or we, you know, put up on the wall or whatever. And uh, sometimes gets used to, you know, God will give me everything I want. And that's not what it's saying. And then uh, sometimes it gets spiritualized and it says, well, uh, well God's just going to give me everything I need. Because um, that's the way he just gives me everything, you know, everything I need and I'm taken care of. And that, okay, getting closer. <laughs> but let's put it in the context, right? The context is these are givers who are giving out themselves, um, not out so much out of their abundance, but sacrificially giving out of what they lack. And they're offering it over to the Lord. And, and Paul's promise is, in the midst of your generosity, know that God sees it, he takes account of it. it, it's like a sweet offering, the smell of it comes up to his nostrils, he knows what's going on, and, and with that in mind, you can know that God is faithful to take care of what you need, he won't forget you, and he has all the wealth in the world. He's not powerless to do so. And so that's, that's the connection, right? That's the context here where, where you find this. And, and so what, 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 what is this saying? What is the reminder here? Well, the, the reminder here is that when, when God works in our hearts to give, right? And, and sometimes when he works in our heart and we're saying, Ugh. <laughs> you ever have that feeling? Have you ever? I, I don't know if you've ever had that feeling. I've had that feeling before, where you're you're like, I really think I really want. Yeah, uh, uh. you, you know what I mean. I mean, give joyously all those things. I'm I'm just telling you where my flesh is at times, right? 
and, and you're thinking about the bills later the month or the whatever, or whatever's coming, and you, and you think about those things, and I, and I understand that. And, and certainly not suggesting here that, that we should be flip it with money or anything like that or, or give beyond our means or understand, you know, not, not go in there. But, but the promise here is that when we're generous, God sees it and he's going to take care of us, right? He's going to take care of us. And, and so um, I, I don't know if you have, um, if you have experienced this um, before in your own life. Um, uh, I have been absolutely shocked by the times that God has taken care of us uh, when, when we had times where, you know, uh, we really want to do that or we really ought to do that or, you know, I think that would be best for so-and-so but is that really a need, right? Do, do, I, do I have to have that? And, 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 and in response, you know, you work in your heart and you say, uh, God, I, I want to give this to you, right? And, and you, you give it to him, and then you're shocked when somehow he supplies the other part back. I mean, he, he does that, right? And, I, and I'm not suggesting, you know, we give to get and all those things, right? Not go in there. But, but what I am suggesting is that God knows our gifts. He knows what's going on. There is fruit that is accruing interest in your account. He's aware of that. And the, the promise here is that he will supply your need. And so Paul here is telling those in Philippi who have given him a very generous gift, but I still know who our God is. And so I'm thankful for this because of what he's done in your heart and the work that's happened in your own heart and your own life. And I'm thankful for what's come about because of this. And don't be afraid, don't worry, because he's going to look after you. He's going to take care of what you need to be able to do it. And... He goes directly from that to this verse 20. And it's hard, hard to, uh, it's easy to understand why he would jump directly to this. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Because isn't he wonderful? Isn't he good to us? And, and even in serving him, we give and yet we receive. We sow and yet we reap. And, and that's how it works with God. And, and it's, it's not always the same, right? You know, he was talking about sowing spiritual and receiving carnal, financial, from a ministry standpoint in terms of what he did. Sometimes we, the, those on the other side, are giving money and receiving spiritual in terms of the response. Some of this involves things that will be settled in eternity, right? Not, not in this life. And yet, the promise here is that we have a good God who knows all, who takes care of his children, 
who we can trust in. And he is worthy of our praise forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God and the example before us this morning. We thank you for your love for us. Father, we thank you that you're not a God who has need, not a God who is is somehow carnal. Father, in spite of so many who twist your words and use their speech, flowery speech, to enrich themselves, we know from Scripture that those who truly love you are not focused on the carnal, but rather both the growth and the life of the giver. Father, at the same time, the glory that you receive as the gifts are used. Father, excited and rejoicing at the reward yet to come. Father, we're thankful that we have a God who truly will supply our needs, who will look after us, who will take care of us. Father, we're grateful that we have the privilege of serving as your children and that we have a loving Father who knows even what we don't know, who cares more than we ourselves ever could Father, you truly are worthy of our glory. Father, I pray that today, as we examine our hearts before you, that we would seek to be people who truly are generous. Father, we would be burdened for the cause of of missions around the world. Father, that we would be, uh, as a church, one that not just supports our missionaries financially, but supports them with our concern, with our love, with our care. Father, that we would have a personal interest in what goes on with them. Father, we pray today that you would uphold our missionaries, strengthen them, encourage them. And Lord, we pray that that you would use them for your glory, that, that they would draw ever closer to you and be conduits of your grace to a world that needs to see you. Father, we count it a privilege to play even a small part in that. And Lord, we give thanks to you this day. In Jesus' name, amen.